Welcome to Practical Christian Living. If we are going to do what Jesus did, then we are going to take the role of a servant with one another. Can there be any, any more practical thing that you and I can do? I mean, this isn't the kind of thing that you listen to and go, well, how do I do that? Take the role of a servant. Pick up plates for people after dinner. If we truly want to be like Jesus, the easiest and most practical place we can start is simply serving someone. Looking to others' needs in a day where everyone is taught to look out for themselves. We are about to dive into the continuation of Jesus' appointment with his disciples in the upper room, the last evening he'd have with them. And one of the most important things he taught them that night was how to serve. With more from John chapter 13, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. So I think when it comes to washing Peter's feet, there are four things that we can learn from that. Number one, if you are not washed by Jesus, you can have no part in him. You have to be born again. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In 1 John 1.7, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We're walking with him because he's in the light and we have fellowship with Jesus. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Jesus said in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life that you know God and the son whom he sent. So it's a relationship with God. So we enter into a relationship with him. We interact with him and our sins are forgiven. God had promised in the book of Ezekiel in 36, 25, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take away your heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In Hebrews 10, 16 through 18, it says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon their heart and in their minds, I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So that if you are here tonight and you have never entered into a relationship with him, you have never asked him to forgive you of your sins, then you can confess that today and you can be forgiven and you can be made totally pure and clean. Now, when that happens, our sinful nature isn't taken away and our struggle with sin doesn't leave us. I wish it did. Is there anybody else here that feels that way? Probably all of us, right? Paul said in Romans chapter seven, the very things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing. And we end up saying, amen, I understand. Galatians tells us that there's a struggle, the spirit struggling against the flesh and the flesh struggling against the spirit. And we know that. And because we still have a sin nature, then we do struggle with sin, which brings us to the second thing we learn from Jesus washing Peter's feet. We need to keep things right between us and God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Doesn't mean we keep his commandments all the time. It certainly means we want to. And it certainly means by a matter of practice, we do. You can't say I love Jesus and just be living a massively sinful lifestyle. 
John said, if you say you love him, but you don't keep his commandments, then you're lying. So it's always a good check. If you are not living a godly lifestyle at all and your practice in life is to sin, then you can be pretty sure that you have to get things right between you and God. But it says in 1 John 1.8, it says that if there's someone who says that they have no sin, then they deceive themselves and the truth isn't in them. I've known people who've told me that they don't sin anymore. I've known individuals who have told me, I've walked with Christ, I'm walking so close with Jesus that I don't sin anymore. I thought they were sinning the very moment they told me that. They're lying. I, I think that we can know that because the same struggles that you have are the same struggles that I have. The Bible says that we have everything in common. There may be different levels, there may be different temptations, there may be different things that we struggle with, but we have struggles just like anyone else. You deceive yourself and the truth isn't in you. I heard a preacher say one time in the holiness movement, I haven't sinned for 12 years. And I knew he was lying at that moment as well. Except for right now, when your lips are moving and you're saying such a thing. I think he also knew that he was lying. So we're walking down the road, we're cleansed. We've, we've taken our shower, we've taken our bath. We're walking down the road in our open-toed sandals and our feet get dirty. The analogy is that as we move through this world, we sin. We fall back to a selfish desire, a selfish nature. We give in to some temptation on some level, and now we have to make it right. Now we have to come back to him. We want to keep short accounts. David kept short accounts most of his life. But after his sin with Bathsheba and killing her husband Uriah, he looked like the hero because he brought her into his harem. Later on, when his sin was exposed... He said in Psalm 51, when I kept silent, my bones grew old within me. When we keep things right with God, well, Peter said it in Acts chapter 3. He said, repent. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. When you and I have things right with God, there's a refreshment that comes from Him. And when we have unconfessed, unrepented sin in our lives, our feet are dirty and we just keep them dirty, we harbor up sin in our lives, then there's a, there's a distance between us and God. I'm not saying that you're not saved. If you don't repent from it at all, and if you don't want to do what God wants you to do, then I think that you need to examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. But just because you struggle doesn't mean you're saved, not saved because we all do. But we want to make sure that we keep short accounts with God, that we make things right and keep them right. I haven't wore, I haven't had a pair of white tennis shoes in who knows how long, 20 years probably. But I used to, that's all I used to wear. I used to preach either in cowboy boots or tennis shoes. <laughs> Believe it or not. I couldn't keep tennis shoes clean for whatever reason. I'm the guy that just will scuff a brand new pair of shoes right out of the shoes. We had a guy on staff here that had the whitest tennis shoes ever. I don't know how we kept from scuffing them up. I don't know how they stayed so clean. But I do know that when I cleaned my tennis shoes, I was really careful how I moved because I didn't want them to get dirty. They did anyway. I think that's kind of like we are. We get things right with God and we want to keep them clean. If we don't confess, if we don't make things right, 
then it's really easy to move from sin to sin to sin. So the third thing that we learn from Jesus washing Peter's feet is that Jesus is faithful to forgive us. He's faithful to wash our feet. He's promised that. In 1 John 1, 9, we have one of the greatest promises in all of the pages of Scripture. It says, if we confess our sin, and the word confess means literally just to tell him that you have sinned, that you sit down and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've sinned. And whatever else you may want to express at that point, I can tell you that my prayers are like, Lord, I'm sorry that I've sinned. I can't believe that I've done this. I don't want to do this anymore. Help me. Help the hidden faults. Help me to understand why I'm doing it. Help the things that I don't even know that are having dominion over my life that might lead to these other things that I might really be able to walk with you. But if we confess our sins, he says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He's faithful to do it. I've heard people say, I can't confess my sins to God. God won't forgive me. Not again. He's faithful to forgive you. He will do it. And he's just in doing it because of his death of the son upon the cross. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And the rest of that verse says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, when our sin is forgiven, then we become right with God again. Because remember, righteousness is being in a right relationship with God and treating people around us right. So he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to lead us in the way of all righteousness that we can be right between us and God where we can go right to him again. There's nothing that keeps us away from having that right relationship with him. Keeping those short accounts and confessing it to Jesus. And so near the end of this account, when he gets done washing Peter's feet, he says, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. The reason Jesus washed the disciples' feet was to give them an example. Not an example for foot-washing ceremonies. I've shared before that they're, for me, they're the worst. I understand that some of you guys may have had really powerful experiences in washing, foot-washing ceremonies. Y years ago, I walked into the little church that I attended in Albuquerque. It was Chowood Park Foursquare Church. And I walked in and the stage was set up differently. And it took me a couple minutes to realize two sets of chairs, towels, little, little bowls full of water. It's a foot washing ceremony. <laughs> I got out of there. I left just as soon as I could because I had been at them before. To me, they're always awkward. I think if we would have been around in the days of Jesus, it would not have been awkward because you wash people's feet all the time. People came over to your house and you washed them. And it wasn't a religious thing. So when I went to my very first foot washing ceremony, I'm a teenager. And they, for whatever reason, we get chosen to wash each other's feet. And this is, it's religious, right? So you don't just pick up their feet and scrub them. <laughs> right? I mean, you got to pick up their foot and you splash it. <laughs> you rub some soap on it. It's just weird. It's weird. And uh, 
it's weirder when they wash your foot. You're like, okay, go, go ahead. I don't think that the Jesus was giving us a foot washing ceremony. It's like I said, I've talked to people that have been upset that I, I tell my experiences and how I feel because they had a foot washing ceremony and they were blessed by it. I don't know that that's possible. No, I'm kidding. I, I understand that God does a lot of things in a lot of different ways. I just don't think that's what he was talking about. And it doesn't fit into our times. At a, one of our early pastors conferences, we do the Calvary Chapel Southwest and leader, uh, Pastors and Leaders Conference in March. One of, during one of the early conferences, we were having an afterglow where we were just singing and waiting on God and just waiting for God to move and see what God was going to do. And a guy came up to me, another pastor from here in town, and said to me, God told me to wash your feet. And I wanted to say, no, he didn't. I'm pretty sure he didn't. But I felt for whatever reason, just let this guy do it. You know, it's all right. Just let him do it. So I'm sitting on the edge of the stage. I was kind of like overseeing the afterglow and we're worshiping some. I'm sitting on the edge of the stage. And so then he starts to reach down to untie my shoes. And I'm like, I'll take my shoes and socks off. All right. So I take my shoes and socks off and he's got a bottle of water there and he washes my feet and I put my socks back on again. And I determined never again. The next time somebody says to me, God told me to wash your feet, I'm going to go, nope, you weren't hearing from God at all. I shouldn't say that because God may do it, you know. You may test me on it. But it's obvious here that Jesus was taking the role of a servant. And that if we are going to do what Jesus did, then we are going to take the role of a servant with one another. Can there be any, any more practical thing that you and I can do? I mean, this isn't the kind of thing that you listen to and go, well, how do I do that? Take the role of a servant. Pick up plates for people after dinner. Open the door for people. Look for opportunities to serve. Let people in in front of you on the road when they turn their turn signal on. Just learning to have that servant's heart. And that's how you become great in the kingdom of God. When you're the person who says, I want to serve. Again, it's extremely practical for us to say, I want to do it. Jesus simply had to get up and get the wash basin and get about the job of a servant. When we look around us, husbands serving their wives, wives serving their husbands, us serving one another within the church. Well, listen to what Jesus says here in verse 15. He says, I've given you this example that you should do as I've done. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than him who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you know that you're supposed to be a servant, Blessed are you if you do them. Because there are people that don't do this. There are those in the church who think that they are worthy of being served and not of serving. So Jesus says, if you know this, then you're blessed if you do it. There are few things that we're told in the Bible that we'll do, that we will be blessed. Meditating on God's word day and night is one of them. But being a servant is another. You want to be blessed? You want God to bless you? You want God to look at, on your life as, with favor? Then humble yourself as a servant. Look for opportunities to serve. After this service, we're going to be racing to the door to let somebody out. Instead of racing to the door to get out. Looking for those opportunities to be able to say, Lord, I want to serve you. What a picture of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords serving giving us that example. 
May God give us opportunities this week as we present ourselves to him that he would work in our lives, that we would be servants, even as he was. And also, keep short accounts with God. Is there some unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life? Are your feet dirty in the spiritual analogy that Jesus gave us? All, all you need to do is say, Lord, forgive me. You, you might even, I mean, all of us in reality struggle with sin. We're going to sin again. But we need to be honest and sincere and say to him, Lord, help me, forgive me. Let there be righteousness in our lives. And there's something about getting to that cleansing place that helps us to remain in that cleansing place. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity that we've had here today to look into your word. We thank you for the work that you're doing in us. And we really do want to keep short accounts. We don't want to do things for you without things being right. We don't want to pretend like we're spiritual and we have things right with you when we don't. In fact, we will say to you now as an act of repentance, Lord, forgive us of our sins. We confess that we are sinners and we know that you died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. And we pray now that you would wash our feet, that we would keep short accounts with you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing. Also, Lord, we pray that you give us opportunities to be servants, that we would humble ourselves before you because we know that you are against the prideful. We know that you exalt those who humble themselves. Help us to take that role as a servant. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a couple of minutes. I'd also like to ask that no one would leave early. We're almost done. We'll dismiss you here momentarily. But I want to give you a chance if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ to invite him in. I had said during the study that Jesus said in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life. This is Jesus telling us what eternal life is. And this is eternal life, that you know the one true God and the Son whom he sent. You know him. You have a relationship with him. We interact with him and we are cleansed. Jesus said that not everyone who says to him, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And some people who claim to do religious things, he said, away from me, for I never knew you. If you have never invited Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you that chance today. You're entering into a personal relationship with him. You're receiving him into your life. And also, if you're here today and you have walked away from him for whatever reason, maybe you committed your life before, but it was different than what you thought it would be. And so you didn't follow him very long. Maybe you followed him for a while and for whatever reason you walked away, the cares and the worries of this world, the desire to make money, maybe a desire for some sin, you walked away from him and you need to return today to come back to him. You may feel that God doesn't want you anymore, but you're a prodigal. And in the Bible, the father ran to the prodigals, put a robe on their back and a ring on their finger. Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 and I will go after the one. And I have been the prodigal that Jesus came after. It may even be that you're here tonight and just amazed that there's an opportunity for you to return to Christ. So if you're here today and you want to give your life to him for the very first time, or you want to return to him and begin to live for him again, 
If you're watching online or listening on Reach Radio, you can respond as well. But if you're here tonight, I want you just to raise your hand. Lift your hand up now. Lift it up high so I can see it. God bless you. God bless you. That's great. And God bless you there in the back, kind of in the center. That's great. God bless you. You're in the front. That's great. God bless you back under the balcony. All right. You can put your hands down. And I would like everyone, including those that raised their hands, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. But I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Or welcome back if you are returning to him. Uh, if, uh, if you're coming back to him for the first time or, you're coming, or if you're returning to him or coming to him for the first time, uh, we want to come alongside of you and help. There's a new believers table if you're here in this room. If you responded on our live online campus or on Reach Radio, then you can send us an email at saved at calvarytucson.com. And in fact, if you go to the table, we would love to hear your story. We'd love for you to sit down and share a little bit with us about what God's done in your life whether you came back to Christ or were committing your life to Christ, you can send us a message at saved at calvarytucson.com as well. We'll connect you up with someone because we want to come alongside of you and help you the very best way we can in making sure that you have that good, strong walk with Christ. Will you reach out your hands towards me? I want to pray for you. Father, I want to lift up those that are here in this room tonight. I want to pray for those that are watching online that are reaching out their hands towards their screen. I want to pray for those that are listening, that you would touch and heal. Lord, we need to be healed, not only physically. You've said ask and it will be given, and I pray for physical healing tonight in the name of Jesus. But also, there are wounded souls here, broken spirits that just need the salve of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would touch and heal tonight in the name of Jesus. I pray for marriages here that are just going through a rough patch. Lord, what an awful thing. But you can soothe and you can heal. I pray, Lord, for those that are here that are depressed and distraught, that the darkness is closing in on, that the darkness would be lifted. I pray for those that are oppressed by demonic beings. I pray that you would bind them, Lord, the greater, the stronger than the strong man. I pray for those that are struggling with some kind of, of disorder or with stress or anxiety. Set them free in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. May you find yourself close to him, keeping short accounts. What a good lesson for us just keeping things right with him day by day. And, and, and may you pick up the role of a servant, washing the feet of people around you, literally if you want to, but in the example that Jesus had given us. 
Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.